And now, your host, Mr. Redbeard and Mick. Welcome to episode 70 of the We're Live Fancasts, where we cover every new release of the We're Live audio drama. I'm Mick. And I'm Redbeard. And we're glad to be back talking about Lockdown Part 6 with you guys. We missed you. We have missed you. It's been a beautiful summer. Uh, in this show today, we're going to be covering Part 6 of Lockdown, sharing some notes from the live stream that happened back in June for the finale, going through some things to look for when you re-listen to Lockdown, and we also have a, a special message from a We're Alive superfan, so make sure you're safe for all of this. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Been a busy summer, man. It's been a very busy summer. I had a lot of stuff at the beginning of the year that really threw me off. Surgery. Mm-hmm. Emergency <laughs> surgery out of nowhere. <laughs> that kind of threw a wrench in a lot of plans I originally had. <laughs> yep. I've had three trips and helped coach volleyball for my daughter and I'm getting over this fun summer cold. Yay! If you can't tell. He's finally hit puberty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told things will be different. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's this big game out there now, and I was thinking about a twist, and uh, maybe it would be called, I don't know, We're Alive Go. <laughs> and it's like an alternate timeline from We're Alive where, and of course, spoilers, spoilers all, okay, for We're Alive Lockdown and We're Alive all 36, 48 chapters before. So, um, but this is an alternate timeline where everybody believes Tanya because, you know, in the in the epilogue, people didn't believe Tanya. She kind of had a crazy theory about you know the zombies out there but everybody believes tanya and so she's kind of like a professor of sorts and she sends out zombie catchers all over the world to collect the various zombies for research (laughs) and you can battle them in in arenas battle them in arenas (laughs) then you grind them up and make them into candy that's right you feed them to other zombies (laughs) this uh, all fits Pokemon Go might be might have stolen some things from We're Alive, <laughs> but anyways, that's fun. Another thing, We're Alive is doing a quote of the week on Twitter. If you will tweet your favorite quote from We're Alive with the hashtag uh, WA Quotes, and also might be nice to include at We're Alive in there, they'll uh, they'll pick a winner each week and they'll tweet out your your quote with your handle. So I got mine out there. My favorite is is the lead is the lines leading up to and including, but you swerved to hit him. <laughs> uh, Saul runs over the commander, in chapter one. That's a, that, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> one of my favorite lines of the entire series. <laughs> and I've got uh, ready to move on to the iTunes reviews. Unless you're, do you have anything else? No, I'm good. Okay, we got a, a five-star iTunes review from KP. No, I guess I should say KP Coyote, not KPC Coyote, but KP Coyote says great fan podcast. These two share uh, great story detail and story theories. Uh, they keep it clean and fun. They obviously love the show and what they do. Thank you, KP Coyote. I appreciate it, man. 
Oh yeah, thank you. Very nice of you to go out there and take the time to do that. Which is that? He, her. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it could her. be either one. Yeah. I can't remember. I could, but I could go mix. Also, thank you, mix coyote. That's so also a uh, a super fan. Definitely. Crazy amounts of stuff on the forums. It's it's awesome insights. KP Coyote is keeping it going on the forums. No doubt oh, about yeah. that. Working hard over there. All right. And I'm done with my intro pieces. All right. <laughs> We're getting to this coverage. Oh, yeah. Going to finish up lockdown. So the finale opens up with uh, Behemoth Austin breaking into the cafeteria, killing everybody. Uh, with Ink standing by and watching. Mm. One in- inmate manages to hide from uh, from Austin uh, and then charge Ink, getting killed by getting hit in the throat. Oh. <laughs> and then Austin follows Ink back out to the loading docks. And this is where we notice that uh, Ink does have the keys to the loading docks. Evidently, those doors are controlled completely separate for shipping and receiving. Oh, yeah. And that's all I've got for that scene. You got anything I should have added to that? Oh, no. I've just got some notes uh, around some of the things that happened there. Like, I don't know. The well, the, the audio was really well done. And I guess the narration, whenever they had the behemoth going through there and then they're talking about what they see happening on the cameras... To really oh, yeah. give you a feel of what's going on in that cafeteria. It's just going bananas. It sounds like mayhem. Yes. And we just heard from these guys last episode, man. Casey likes to introduce us to these new people, uh, make us like them, and then off them in some terrible way soon <laughs> after that. Yeah, you know, we also got an insight to Simon. He was, like, finding enjoyment watching it. Oh. Uh, just, just a note there. We'll build up towards everything I want to say about him later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, he's a Simon type of guy <laughs> in his kind of way. <laughs> All right. And so, um, Austin, when he moves quickly towards Ink to attack, if it stops just before he does, you know, I hit him. Love this little detail. Also, uh, Ink, Ink's not above throat punching a guy. Dude, I mean, it's not like he just stopped that dead that guy dead sprint uh, flat out. That's bad. That guy, if he lived, he probably would have scratched with like scratchy voice, like ah, I can't come here. <laughs> voice is oh. throat's all full of clay. I can't understand anything. <laughs> <laughs> Go to mickred.com forward slash ash. Yes, mickred.com <laughs> forward slash ash a s h. <laughs> but uh, I couldn't find anything. They had a really good little comedy bit about uh, wetting your nose to heighten your senses and how they all knew it was a thing except for Gavin and like Bogart. And I, I Googled this and was looking around. I've never really heard of it. Have you heard of this? Uh, I hadn't. No, I hadn't either. I was going to talk about that and then the next little thing, but. Oh, my bad. Yeah, it. That that was a weird deal. I was uh, all I could find was things about dogs. Same here. There's like one study in 08 saying that maybe it helped enhance dog smelling. For some reason, I want to think this is a inside joke. Maybe Casey and um, a few people sitting around trying to lick their own noses. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Late night parties <laughs> getting slow. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so right now, uh, in the next scene, we have them planning to get out. They shut off the monitors, monitoring the cafeteria. Uh, they we get mentions of the other behemoths breaking out of their cells. Fredo chooses uh, a bat as a weapon because he's a hoss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they, you know, Casey decides to show what Fredo's really capable of by having him break through a door. Um, I mean, he's already a behemoth. Yeah. Uh, so, and this is where we get into the wetting of the nose can heighten your senses of smell. <laughs> And I don't know, maybe this is just a joke to get everybody in the audience to try to do it. I, 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 hilarious. Well done, I, I almost did it. I almost did it. So <laughs> I had so serious restraint a couple times. <laughs> so and this is about this time we find out that Fredo's got this big freakish Gene Simmons tongue. <laughs> and Gavin refers to him as a having a lizard tongue. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Just a note, I could probably go, you know, uh, this is more of a review. Oh, wait, I'll hold off. But Fredo <laughs> makes a reference to Gremlins. Oh, yeah. Uh, in this scene, and I thought that was just awesome. That was awesome. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, yeah, th this scene, it, it was, you know, it's they're ramping up to a lot of mayhem about to happen. So this little comical break was nice to have. It was, it really was. But all I could think about later on, cause uh, you know, if they had been at the Sally port just a little bit sooner, they wouldn't have run into ink. Mm -hmm. And when I went back to see where they wasted time, it was when they were licking their own noses. Oh, Gavin. <laughs> it's all your fault, Gavin. Now, um, Bogart, I love how Gavin has a reaction, and then we get to hear the separate reaction to the radio of Bogart being like, what? And Jerry, you can hear Jeremy going, oh, yeah, yeah, if you just, like, what's your nose? It's like... And he knows about it. Everybody knows about it except for me and you, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, if you've ever heard of that, let us know, because I, I thought that was right. not a thing. And if your hand's bigger than your face, you have a certain kind of illness, possibly, so... Try, try it out, try it out. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have any more on that scene? No, no. That's That was really good, though. I loved it. <laughs> As they're about to jump into chaos, they, full, they pull the fire alarm to... I guess the theory is to distract the zombies by messing up their senses as to all the water falling on them and the sirens going off. And Jody and Fredo head towards Central. Along the way, Fredo is smashing zombies. I mean, just left and right, mm -hmm. smacking them down. And suddenly, Fredo starts speaking English like it's nothing. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Jody's asking or telling him, like, you made me translate unnecessarily so many times. And during this, this scene, and they're fighting back and forth, and she's trying to get to stuff inside of Central's, Jody gets shocked. And Fredo revives her while, like, meanwhile, trying to revive her and beating off zombies all at the same time. He got, like, quick back and forth insanity. Yes, that's a great scene and it's a crazy scene. <laughs> yeah. So Fredo gets her revived. They get back to work. Uh, Gavin forgot to give the key to jo uh, Jody. And 
Fredo got shocked as she was using the ta- I guess the the stunt shield. I think maybe I can't maybe remember. so. I don't. I didn't get it real clear on that. It didn't really. It, I mean, it it stunned him, but it didn't really seem to phase him that much. No. But I thought it was interesting. I think it was quasi playful. Didn't want her. Get her mad in the moment, but Gavin lied about not giving the key to her. Yeah, that was funny. I was like, like what? What's that about? And Simon's being kind of a well, Simon in the background, and he goes, "We sure could have used that before, or you could have done that before us before." And Fredo replied, "Not for you. Not for you. For you." <laughs> It's adorable. Yeah, it is. Uh, I was like, that, that big old behemoth-looking dude's a big softy. Definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Fredo going in the last scene from like a little, you know, I can understand a little English, to this scene, he's like, mm, I can mostly understand. That yeah. I love that humor, too. He's just kind of building the joke there and using it. And I was just like waiting for Finally, he's like a freaking... English professor or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the interactions in this. Uh, the action was really good too. It really was. But those comical breaks are really just a must. Definitely. And Fredo going bat fight on some zombies. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's like doing his counts for CPR. Yes. Batting the you know zombies as he came back and came, went right back to rhythm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> And uh, I just like just had a note of uh, really appreciating the humor so far. We've already mentioned a couple things, and then Fredo I can't say he's much more, but he's just a monster, a friendly monster. And I like I like how he likes Jody. That's pretty pretty <laughs> good. If only they had sent her out on all the missions, then he would have come along. It'd have been fine. <laughs> yeah, they would have never lost anybody. Nope. You'd still have Chuck here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, in the next scene, they managed to get all the doors open to the Sally Port first. And we got Simon saying they rushed too quickly to do that and everybody got picked off. They all died. And so Simon's the only one left alive. Yeah. I was like, well, that's an abrupt ending. Mm-hmm. And Simon asks many times and hard for keys to the car. Something that repeats itself in one way or the other here a couple times. But yeah, such an anticlimactic ending to all our favorite characters. Hmm. Yeah. I was like, well, that's a telltale sign of a lie. He was like, here's my quick answer. Everything else has been drawn out and elaborate. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> um, So in the next scene, we're back at the colony. CJ asked him if he was done. She she leaves and they bring in Simon a steak. And at this point, they actually remove his cuffs so that he can eat his uh, his dinner. Yeah, and so I mean, I guess if the steers die every now and then, they get to have steaks. So yum. Yeah. <laughs> and so, at, the, at this point, you can hear outside the door, and I love how Casey does this. You can hear outside the room. You know, CJ going, you don't mind watching them? And you hear a reply, not a problem. And she says, thanks, I owe you one. Yeah. There's a lot of background dialogue at times in these. Mm-hmm. And this, this, uh, it's at this point that Simeon asks for a knife, and a guy says he'll bring it in. Yeah. <laughs> we find out 
This is the guy that we know as Oliver up to this point. Until he starts speaking and we find out quickly it's, oh crap, it's Jeremy. <laughs> you know, Jeremy isn't buying his story at all. He's calling it BS. And he, you know, tells uh, Simon that uh, Gavin's throat was slit. How does that happen? And, you know, it's going back and forth, back and forth. And Simon's trying to weasel his way out of it. And I guess Jeremy found uh, Simon's shiv by the car. And has kept it this entire time. Yeah. Which is amazing. And had CJ ever saw this, I wonder if she would have known that it was a, like a prison weapon. Knowing her, she'd be asking questions about every little thing that didn't seem to fit 100%, you know? Yeah, so that alone, and they must have really got their stories down before going to the colony because that interaction must have been intense. Right. Definitely. I was so floored when, when Jeremy shows up here. It's, it was perfect. Oh yeah. I, you know, I, from the beginning, I had a problem with Simon's character mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, yep, here it is. <laughs> and at this, it's at this point, as soon as, He's Simon's all stuttering and scared. Oh, uh, maybe I should share with you. You know, I'm scared. Uh, hey, hey, Rick, hmm. I don't know, Rick, but he's <laughs> he's going on and on about you know with his act. And then as soon as Jeremy drops the shiv, and he switches it up, and he's just like, "Why didn't you lead with that? All this gibbering and jabbering." And he's all of a oh, sudden no. a little bit more smooth and no more stuttering. It's all gone. He's a he's a good actor. Yeah. His character. Well, it, it it makes me wonder what else he's capable of. He's kind of showing signs of almost like a sociopath. Right. And on the, uh, let's see. Oh, one, one more note. This, uh, I don't think it's actually mentioned Oliver in the story, just in the script, but more on that in the bit. No, in the very beginning, uh, Oliver was mentioned in the uh, episode one. Oh, awesome. Nice catch. So, yeah, I had to go back and look at my notes from that time period. And we didn't have that magical thing at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so in the next scene, we got Simon starting to tell the truth to Jeremy. Jeremy's recording this conversation. And this is where we find out that, you know, Jeremy says his kills were better. And Fredo, uh, that Fredo was more of a drug addict, brain dead drug addict, uh, according to Jeremy. Simon's you know, starting to tell his story and he's, you can tell, I mean, he's not holding any punches now. He's being real honest because he, he's going over the fact that he kept asking to drive the car. He was insisting upon doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, like, Oh, this is going bad. So the doors are opening to the Sally port. Jeremy and Bogart are using the elevator to get up and around solitary, but they start smelling something. And I remember at first, uh, at first film, I was like, holy crap, it's funk. Where, where's he going to come out of? I thought he was going to bust through a wall. He yeah. came out of the ceiling. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was like, how, how is the ceiling holding? kool man can attack from any direction. <laughs> but, so, Jody and Fredo are going to the back of Central to activate the elevators because the elevators don't have buttons inside of them. It's all controlled from Central. And Fredo's still fighting off zombies. <laughs> I mean, just 
just a behemoth. And uh, we switch to Simon and Gavin outside. Simon is told to get onto the bus. Yet, once again, he's trying to get in the car, convincing Gavin to let him come with him. As soon as Gavin reaches down to get the key that he hides underneath his car, Simon slits Gavin's throat. As he speeds away with his car, he hits Danielle on the way out. So those two are dead. No one else knows this yet. Right. And that scene ends. Mm -hmm. Uh, well... I'm getting a real clue vibe. Oh, I just started getting a clue. From us hearing the end in <laughs> two different ways. You know, just I was like, oh, this is like clue. This is awesome. I get to hear an ending one way and then, well, maybe it happened like this. <laughs> yes. But uh, aside from that, this is a pretty sad scene. Now, um, somewhere in here, Danny... <laughs> When she's, somebody asks, and Bogart asks if she's the bait, Danny says, or the meal, if I'm not fast enough. I thought that was a great line. <laughs> that was a great line. I, guess I, I was like, wait a minute, how'd she hear that? And uh, I kind of, because I, I went through a re-listen, mm -hmm. and I forgot about they having the, um, uh, what do you call it? It's uh, where you just talk and it activates the microphone. Speech activated, sound activated? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they're on their on their walkie-talkies. They can always hear what's going on. Right. I um, my actual favorite line is pulled from this scene too. But I'll I'll cover that then. Well, I guess no, I can cover it here. Whenever Bogart says, you know, you know, that's not so bad anymore. I hate to say it, I'm getting used, almost used to dying. And Jeremy says, it happens. Well, you know, we didn't, we don't know that Jeremy's led this life of being on the edge of death, really. <laughs> He's kind of letting a little bit out about him, about himself there. Yeah, which is, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't catch that the first time. And just to be sure we hit it up a little bit later on, I wonder what that was like for Jody and, uh, and Bogart to accept this reality of Jeremy. Oh, yeah. So... As long as he's on their side. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> That is the end of Simon telling his story. He doesn't know what happened after he left, you know, Gavin and Danielle dead. Right. But then we pick up with the remainder of the story being told by Jeremy. I think it's safe to say to at this point, CJ does not know about Jeremy being a convict or any of the other details at this point. Uh, but we enter back into Central. Fredo has killed all of the zombies that were in Central. He could have just cleared the entire prison. I'm pretty sure, the uh, entire jail. I'm pretty sure if they just let yeah. him have little breaks in between uh, rooms he was clearing. Outside of the behemoths, because, well, that's not yeah, a fair fight, he... but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, just insane amounts of fun. <laughs> so Jeremy and uh, Bogart make it down and they're making their way back to the Sally port when Funk breaks in, grabs Jeremy. And at this point, Fredo attacks Funk to protect Jeremy, which is interesting because, you know, if Fredo doesn't like you, he's not going to go out of his way for right. you. Funk threw Fredo against the wall and it was an awful sound. Yes, it was. But you know what it also included in that sound? It's awesome. You hear his body hit, but you also hear the bat hit. 
<laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah, it was really well done. And not seeing any chance to save uh, Fredo because, I mean, Funk's right there. Mm -hmm. They close the door to block Funk from getting to him. Mm. Uh, wow. So, um, just to uh, go ahead. <laughs> there is one line that caught me. I had to Google it, but Jeremy said, here comes the funk. I was like, is this a, like, is this a pop reference to, to some movie or song? And I was looking it up. I couldn't find much to it, but George Clinton, <laughs> that's what I thought about first. I was like, is this going to, is there going to be like a <laughs> some George Clinton hopping in some movie? Here comes the funk. All of Casey's works are set up to incorporate songs. Yes. And musical numbers. And so at this point, you would have insert George Clinton. George Clinton verse. <laughs> That's where this happens. <laughs> so just as they are getting out to freedom, out comes ink. This, this is... I was like, oh, man. What, who's going to not make it out of this? Mm -hmm. It's not long and Funk comes through. And he bum rushes... Uh, oh, no. Before that happens... Bogart asks, uh, or is telling Ink, just let us go. And Ink once again speaks, mm -hmm. saying, saying no. Now, from what we know of the first World Live series, we know that Funk is a, kind of a defect behemoth. Because he bum rushes Ink and makes him fly against the wall. And you can hear Ink screaming in the background. Yeah. And, it, and, I mean, just as this happens, Austin comes out, another behemoth. And so there's this Planet Hulk fighting behemoths <laughs> happening all in front of them. Yeah. And eventually, I, I guess, I don't know, Ink says he's going to, you know, accepts his losses and steps aside, allowing them to pass. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what this is for. Is this because he's got enough problems on his hands right now, or, you know? That's the only thing I could think. I had no good answer for that. I don't know. That was just kind of a weird interaction. It, you know. Yeah, he says, he says, uh, where is it? I wrote it down because it was so interesting. He says, um, okay, I can. Then something changed. Don't know how to describe it. I just remember looking deep into those green eyes, traveling between our inmate jumpsuits to funk fighting in the distance. It's like he decided he didn't want us anymore. He stepped to his right, letting us pass. And I was like, what? That, that's crazy. I don't, I don't know what like to say about that. Maybe he saw them and was like, uh, you guys aren't big enough. Or maybe he's looking at their body type and going, you know, I saw Fredo back there. I bet I can use him. You guys, yeah. I don't need to test on y'all. It's a little scrawny guys. Kind of knocking down those animalistic thoughts and thinking about his strategic plan, I guess. I don't know. I, I couldn't really come up with a... That's a rationale for that's this. That's my best guess is that he decided that he could use Fredo, but I don't know. So, okay. Yeah. And they, they get in the bus, they head out. I mean, luckily Simon left the keys in the bus for them to be able to leave. And they waited for a little while at the, whatever the meetup point was going to be. But Gavin, Danielle and Simon never show up. So they go back to the jail where they find the bodies of Gavin and Danielle yeah you know during this interaction jeremy kind of he talks about how he's done with that old life till simon showed up so he like i don't know that's an interesting note to really talk about more here in a little bit mm -hmm. 
I just want to point that out. And another little note I, I wanted to cover a minute ago uh, also, and we'll get back to the other one for sure at, towards the end of this, but this other note was a behemoth fight. Yes. <laughs> oh, but sorry, I just had to skip that out. <laughs> I want more of that. Yes. I want behemoths fighting in the arena. That's right. <laughs> These these future locations that I hope we get stories in that we talk about later. I hope we get all kinds of different zombies and they're gonna fight too. We're just gonna have a big arena. Poking freaking where life go. Let's let's do it. <laughs> so then we go back to the interview room again, the interrogation room, and Jeremy asks one last question about January eighth, two thousand nine. And Simon keeps going back and forth talking about, I don't think I was in jail at that point. So this is like not even a predominant thought on his mind. Mm -hmm. And if this was the first time you killed somebody, I think it would be ingrained in your head. Just throwing that out there. Right. We find out that Jeremy knew the men that Simon killed. And we find out that Jeremy was part of the families. Down to the fact that Jeremy was tapping his ring on the interrogation table. Mm-hmm. I love that. Si- Simon starts begging around this point because he realizes what's going to happen. He's—I think he's actually starting to get scared. He's like, "Oh crap!" Uh-huh. You know, we find out that Jeremy has already poisoned the steak that was given to Simon, but it's taken too long to kill him. At which point, Jeremy gets up and. I guess stab Simon or slits his throat. I'm not yeah, really sure. I think that's what happens. We find out that the recording was for CJ. There's a a letter that was left for CJ along with some things like the maps notes for Twin Towers. And I think it's pretty safe to assume at this point that that's CJ's baby daddy. Definitely. So, any anything on what I just went over there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe, oh, no. maybe a couple things. <laughs> and Casey so. is always underplaying the family. And so I'm always underplaying the family. And then he hits us with another big family to tie in. And so at this point, where I'm like, ah, like I like gangster stuff and I like the godfather and this i just watched the sopranos recently so i'm i'm kind of into the, some of that stuff now but i've never been that interested in the actual family portion of we're alive but i don't know jeremy is a character though that oh yeah his like his his duty and his honor piece of the family is for some reason that's way more interesting to me than scratch is tied to it yeah i well, i don't think Maybe he's part of one of the other families because I don't think he would have ever been part of what uh, Scratch and uh, what's their, the Dorai and all of them would have been a part of. Like he wouldn't have been accepting of all the things that were going on with that, those guys after the apocalypse. Right. And see, um, like I, I, I could see him acting this way if, if his brother, if he saw his brother die, like she saw Latch die and all that. I could maybe see that. But I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, I'm on board with Jeremy. And I would like to hear his family story, but that w- there wouldn't be any zombie to that. 
so, so I wouldn't get it, but. Well, okay, so here's what's cool. I think there's potential here. I think I think Casey's at least considering doing more of a story behind Jeremy. And the reason I say this is because during this scene, he says, Jeremy, uh, who's Jeremy? Exactly. And then in the forums, someone made a, a, a nod to this, and Casey replied, I will tell you, it's not Jeremy. That was the name of the inmate he swapped. Hmm. Now, I don't know if he's just given up a little bit more information or insight, but it sounds like he's got more of a story behind that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. We definitely... Did you get as far as... Let's see. Did you want to cover the couple locations they talked about in this, or is that further on? Not, that's the next scene. Okay, cool. I'll leave that alone. Um, yeah, the Jeremy who's Jeremy was just... Uh, perfect <laughs> as he's about to kill him because you I don't know I got that scary feeling that you get in a movie like when like things are twisted on you yeah and you, that, you realize somebody's cool. the bad guy even though at this point he's not really the bad guy to me but I, w I was kind of waiting for an anticlimactic uh, twist with Simon mm -hmm. but that was pretty well done with Jeremy coming out of there and being part of the families and all that I I, did, I honestly did not think from the way Casey talked, that we would hear much about the families in this. Same here. I didn't think, I mean, I thought for all intents and purposes, the death of Scratch was the death of the families being in We're Alive. But I thought so too, but here in a minute we find out more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so Jeremy, you know, these alarms are uh, sound because one of the guards sees Simon dead. And Jeremy escapes the colony. I guess he gets right outside the gate because he meets up with our best people, mm -hmm. Bogart and Jody. And they're in a vehicle on the run. Jeremy talks about he's killed plenty of times. And they talk about their time at the colony and not really being that attached to it. And they ask where they're going next. They talk about a republic in Texas. And they talk about they're trying to bring a grid back up in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And then Jeremy, out of left field, says, finally can go back home. The family's waiting. Right. Like, what the heck does that mean? You talked about being done right after the uh, the jail escape, and now you're talking about going and finding these people again? <laughs> I guess if he doesn't have his soon-to-be daughter and CJ, maybe that's his resolve is finding those guys again. Right. Yeah, man. I don't, I don't know what to say about think about that. After hearing about Texas and Baltimore, I'm like, no, no, go to go to Texas. Let's hear about this republic. <laughs> I mean, we need a western. Now we need to. I guess we're gonna get that with Gold Rush, but I, I would love to have it in Texas because then I could relate to more of the terrain and surroundings Definitely. and landmarks. But yeah, that was that was a pretty cool little tie-up. That was so Jeremy. I remember I thought he was like an FBI CIA plant. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, you're not that far it's off. Not that far off at this point. <laughs> he was. He just didn't seem to fit. But he's a, he's a family guy. There's there was more to him. Ah, he said it. <laughs> he said it. <laughs> and also, so Jeremy's the hitman that Chuck heard rumors about. Apparently, remember they thought it was Fredo. Yeah, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And Jeremy, we kept saying it's BS. Jeremy, I say Jeremy, Oliver, whoever, you know. Whatever his name is. Yeah. 
Because whoever Jeremy was wasn't a hitman, but whoever Chuck had heard about was, and that was the guy who assumed Jeremy's identity. Yeah, I can't imagine that Jeremy was real high up in the family if he was willing to go into the prison system to do this kill. Mm -hmm. But I can't imagine that he's real low level either. I can see, maybe he's maybe he's like you know whatever the family's version of a maid guy is in the mafia. But yeah, not I don't much know. More, not like a captain or something. Yeah, I, yeah, I was curious about that. I, I, I really want some insight there. I don't want to go too far into it for some reason, but but I'm, you know. I'm looking forward to hopefully weird life stories for the the Texas Republic, like maybe a season's worth or you know a two season arc would be really amazing. And and in case you got two guys here that know Texas, so if you yeah. need some insight, well, not a problem. Two two guys here, and I don't know however many tens of millions <laughs> there right now. There are plenty of others. <laughs> uh also in this scene bogart does this little little rap poem but it was kind of funny because there was this little banter back and forth about no i didn't write that <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I gotta know here love their banter as the audio fades that was pretty funny they just kept going about it I was like yeah actually you know i was working on it with jody and some stuff she's like don't bring me into it <laughs> 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 But yeah, that, so then we think it's over. Mm, yeah. The credits roll, and then the audio comes and back if in. you turned it off at this point, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, so Casey taking a line here from Marvel. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. That was something from the forums. <laughs> <laughs> so it fades back in. We got Puck, CJ, Burt. Uh, was there somebody else? Puck, CJ, Burt's who I have here. There could be somebody right. else. They're at the Twin Towers. Uh, we find out that CJ is pregnant at this point. Further proof that Jeremy is the baby daddy. <laughs> and they're going, yeah, which is crazy. They're going, this is post, you know, um, what are the guys' names? Who all died here? Uh, Muldoon, Tony Ray, Robbins. There's Ro Robbins and Muldoon Carl. died here. Oh, Carl died too. Um, yeah, so those guys died here. And so the the fact that they're... I mean, I know it's calmed down at this point, but it's still pretty ballsy to go into Twin Towers. Yes. I would just be worried about another behemoth just laying in wait because he was defective, right. like Funk. But yeah, they go through here. They're in Ink Cell. They're going through his uh, notebooks and I guess various books he has. They find out about his cave expeditions and where some of the protection symbols came from, which, you know, th this kind of goes back. I thought, I thought this was kind of interesting because this would have validated some of what, um, Saul's mom was working on. And I don't know. I was wondering if they kept this information close hold in the long run. Not everybody knows about this, but there were also inks, medical records. And we find out he was going through chemo and the, the note on there was that treatment's no longer effective and he only has four to five months left. So he was going to die. Mm -hmm. And being turned kind of cured him, I guess. Kept him alive, at least. Yeah, well, I mean, most dead people... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Death cures you of everything. But we get some insights that 
area the area has not been touched since uh simon and jeremy and all those guys left and they note that fredo's body wasn't there but there are syringes where fredo should have been mm-hmm. then it fades out again and we come back with fredo yeah and he's saying please no and then ink saying fredo how did ink know fredo's name <laughs> i was curious about that too Fredo. I guess whenever maybe he heard Jody or somebody calling him out because Jody was crying out, Fredo. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably where because he was he was just down the hallway mm-hmm. when that happened. Or he was so, yeah. he was dropping on him somehow with the central command area. <laughs> Fredo turns into a behemoth. I guess he's the one that we saw with all the tattoos I on him. I believe so. I think that's pretty, pretty good confirmation. Good. Yeah, pretty good. I guess there, I bet. So, pretty awesome ending. I think I enjoyed the post-credit ending. I mean, the most. It was yeah. It was just really well done. Gave us kind of some closure on some stuff. Yeah, and when Ink walks up to Fredo right before he says his name, you can hear the sound of uh, Ink dropping a body, you know, as food, and then he's going to start injecting uh-huh. him. It just, it, but it's not mentioned or anything, and I just love that that being unmentioned, but you can hear it if you're listening for it is really cool. Just like he did for <laughs> all the other behemoths, drop a body, check, you know, inject them, leave them for a while, let them eat and grow. Oh man, it's just it's so good. Which is yeah. So yeah, we need to gather up all of our questions from this. Although I think he did a really good job of. I mean, providing answers for almost everything and giving closure. I mean, to not just lockdown, but to uh, the story of survival as well. Yeah, really see. uh, I mean, I had a lot of questions about ink before, but I'm not sure I would need any more story about ink. I can't think of much more. I mean, I would love to hear more about him, but I'm not sure I would need to hear more. I think I'm pretty, I got a lot of closure on the ink character and all the, the stuff he did to I mean, I guess if we wanted to be really sick, we could see what happens in the arena with the pregnant zombies, but <laughs> <laughs> we know what happens there, at least. We don't really need to hear it. Stuff of nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'd am gonna. i have to go back and kind of just try a little bit. And But I think if we brought Casey on, I would love to hear him talk about this, The you know, the work on lockdown in general. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know if I have a whole lot of questions for him other than what's coming next. Yes. I'd love to hear more about that. And, uh, and hashtag TMM, the modern man, I think. Yeah, the modern man. Yeah. And Gold Rush. Mm-hmm. And Texas. Yes. <laughs> so, do you have anything else on that ending scene? Uh, I don't. I love Inc. continuing to talk and... Puck showing everything is the same as it was was kind of eerie, except you know, with the exception of Fredo not being there. Yeah. But no, that's that's all I've got for this. Cool. Uh during the live show on YouTube, I captured some little things that were said in the in the stream and the stream of consciousness of all the fans and various people interacting. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, I don't even remember what was going on, but Blair said he's so freaking cocky talking about Casey. He tells Augie stories and then brags to me about how good this made-up fairy tale was. 
<laughs> I, I love I love their dynamic. It's, it's hilarious. It's funny. Uh, Free Warrior Two on YouTube says we're alive. Generations: the story of Nicholas and CJ and Jeremy's kid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that'd be a little too more too much drama ridden in order for it to work. I, I fear that's what my fear is. Oh yeah. During lockdown, there's a reference to inmate six two six, which is a Lilo and Stitch reference. A little insight from Casey. Oh cool. During the the live show, I guess the after show, Grayson flipped a coffee table. Uh, it's the one that you see in apartment two C and broke it. Oh. It was hilarious. That is hilarious. <laughs> did somebody talk Sadly, about the musical or something? Uh, I think he did it because okay, it's it, Grayson has left. We're alive. He's gone to pursue his own work. So there a lot of good things to watch for there. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm definitely interested. And uh, he's ready to go at any time we want to interview him. So. We'll get our act together and do that. Definitely. Or uh, something, you know. And then uh, Megan Rodell, I think I'm saying that right, uh, wants to know if the squeaky chair used by Simon in lockdown is Casey's office chair. Big interesting to know, too. <laughs> that thing is pretty squeaky. <laughs> and I, I had this funny thought during the middle of the show. And I said that Fredo sounded like Strong Bad. Which uh. <laughs> uh. he does. And so that caused some uh, banter back and forth between fans. But all, yeah, okay, so we, as we already mentioned, in the uh, after show, Casey announced The Modern Man. And it's not We're Alive related. It is a sci-fi serialized audio drama. We don't have a whole lot of details on it, but we're looking forward to it. Very much so. And we heard about Gold Rush, which is in the We're Alive universe and is currently under production, right? Uh, well, the news that we have for that, Gold Rush is uh, in the final stages of the outline, and pretty soon he'll be uh, writing the script. Okay. It seemed like I saw something where maybe he was already in there working with Tony Ray on something. I, I'm not 100% sure, but... Yeah. Nope. Coming soon. This week. Eventually. I got it. Cool. Uh, we also found out that Casey is going to be releasing a book at some point on creating audio dramas. I look forward to reading through that as well. Yeah, that sounds really cool, especially since people are always wanting to talk to him about it, trying to get his information. And I really like one of his uh, reasons he's doing it was uh, something about the people that are going to, that are going to be working with him, he's got to teach them, you know, all these different things and then they can start work. Well, if he has a book that they can cover, they'll, they'll have that all up front, you know? Yeah. And they can, so they can kind of have a template for his writing style and how you want certain things done. Yeah. I, I can see that. Cool. Very cool. Uh, other than some feedback from the forums, that's all I had for, what I collected. All right, great. Well, of course, we've got feedback down the line and our ratings and favorite lines. But uh, first, we've got a couple more things. Lockdown notes from Apartment 2C. Uh, when Jeremy mentions that they name, or I'm sorry, when Casey mentions that they name Jeremy Oliver in some parts of the script, 
and I went back and checked my notes also. I found that definitely, yeah, Oliver's mentioned a few times in that first part. I forgot about that completely. And the reason they used that, Casey said, is because um, Oliver twists. It was a play on words since Jeremy was a twist type of character. It's a little gag he had. <laughs> and he said, we already know that Vera is CJ's child's name. I'm not sure why I wrote that down, but there is some reason I did tie it into something. But <laughs> Oh, wait, no, no. What he said was, uh, Casey asks, if Jeremy really is part of the family, which, I mean, I think he is, uh, what does that mean for Vera Wang? Oh, yeah, okay. So this was mentioned in the forums, too. The people were wondering if he's going to try to come back and get her at some point. Mm -hmm. that, that would be interesting. That cause some, uh, some problems. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be on his side then. <laughs> <laughs> be on CJ's side. Okay, so now we have got uh, some things to listen to listen for on your next re-listen, which uh, we had a post over on the forums at wearelive.com. You can just go over there and take a look in the We're Live lockdown section and scroll through that. But I just wanted to know if there's some things out there that we could share with all the listeners for things they can listen for when they go back through We Are Live lockdown. Uh, KCP Coyote, or, you know, I, it was a different way earlier. I'm not, I may have copied that wrong there. Sorry, Coyote. But he said, uh, or she said, Jeremy made sure to be on lunch detail on the trip upstate with Simeon and the other inmates. He sure did. Uh, Witch Doctor says, uh, re-listen to part four when they're talking about what they did when they, what they did to get in there. He believes Jeremy doesn't want to fess up because he might not even be sure what's on his assumed identity's rap sheet. Oh, well done. A yeah, very good catch. Also, in the very beginning of Twin Towers, part one, you can hear uh, guards talking about Jeremy's transfer papers. Uh, Witch Doctor also says Mark sounds skeptical when he reads Jeremy's name on his tag. Chapter one, 20, uh, 23 minutes and 30 seconds. I had to go back and listen. This to some is of this all stuff. really good this stuff. Good. A caddy says this. This keeps reminding me about episode four when they're in sharing mode, and Jeremy starts uh, talking, only to be interrupted by Bogart commenting that he's speaking in the third person. Head slap. Uh, because in actuality, <laughs> Jeremy was likely speaking in the third person to one degree or another. Uh, a couple things I noted: the rumor about Fredo being a hitman was actually Jeremy. Uh, in part three, Gavin's remark about, hey, listen, be careful. It's just the two of you there. Whenever he's talking to Mark on the phone or the radio, he says, it's just the two of you there talking about Mark and Danny. He says the friendlier ones are the ones to watch. And uh, he'd only heeded his own advice there. He knew. Mm -hmm. And I re-listened re to part one today, and I picked out a few different things. Uh, when Simeon says... Or when Simon says, I stole some things. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, I stole some things. That's all. He, <laughs> as he's being drugged along in the van, as he's trying to make up his story to, to not get killed by Bert, pretty much. Whenever he's in the interrogation room, CJ tells him, you are safe here. Uh, or, you know, you're pretty safe. Mostly safe. Not all, not all that safe. No, but she just says you're safe here. That didn't work out for him. CJ also said, tell the truth and you'll be fine. Well, he didn't, and he wasn't. 
there's a point in chapter in part one where Chuck is talking about a guy who told him about the family's rules. And Jeremy, Jeremy wants to know the name of this guy who told Chuck these things. I didn't think much about it, but Jeremy's trying to figure out who's talking about the family's practices. Uh, finally, Jeremy mentions when they talk about Fredo and what gang he's in, and it's the Mexicazi. Jeremy mentions that the Mexicazi is a low-level gang. And it's funny how Chuck is surprised by, oh, we're calling him low-level. You won't say that when he's in here. But now we know to Jeremy, Mexicazi probably is a low-level gang, being in the big family. <laughs> yeah. But there's lots of other things uh, mentioned by everybody on the forums. If you want to check that thread out again, it's we'realive.com, and then click on the forums button and go to We're Live Lockdown. That's all I've got for that piece there. Cool. That's some good feedback. Absolutely. Some good recommendations for listening. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go back and listen to some of those nods. I got some more feedback from the forums. Give me just a second. All right. I'll run through my favorite line of the show then while we're waiting. Um, when Bogart says, it's not so bad anymore. Hate to say it. I'm getting used to almost dying. And Jeremy replies, it happens. Using both of those is my favorite line. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't read through enough of this. They're doing math on what the dates would have been, which I think we made note of before we did it. We're tracking it pretty well there for a while. Yeah. When we were a few days into it, we were okay. But Cat uh, E has a pretty good breakdown as to the timeline on the forums if you're interested in looking that up. See, uh, Lockdown Part 6 series in Megathread. But basically, I think by the time they get out of there, it's April. I can't remember for sure. Hmm. Or by the time that Simon shows back up to the to the colony. Okay. Because I, th I think it's been nine months. But I could be wrong on that. I, I didn't read through well enough. I was just kind of skimming through and thinking of good things that we could cover. Um, Turbo, good old John Bennett, said my thought... A thought that he had while listening to Lockdown was that uh, at the end of We're Alive, Story of Survival, the one they hear at the end of We're Alive that they suspected Ink was working on when Saul blows the C4 was probably um, 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 Fredo. So that's something else to go back and listen for. Hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought I had more on here. I guess I don't. I'm a dummy. Yeah. <laughs> but which doctor mentioned one of his favorite lines of this and he said we've got funk on our tails we gotta get <laughs> we got funk on our tails uh, I hope this was meant to be funny otherwise I'm feeling like a 12 year old oh yeah that's hilarious <laughs> I thought it was great it had a playful tone to it mm -hmm. I thought that line was funny too DW <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty awesome finale. I wish it was stretched out like the original one, <laughs> but it was really good. I enjoyed it. Ready for ratings? I'm ready for ratings. <laughs> well, do you want to go first? Five. Five. Yep. Five. Good. Five out of five. Five out of five. Five out of four. <laughs> All right, this this was a great episode. Uh, Casey always does good work, but in my opinion, he really excels at premieres and finales. 
which require, of course, the correct amount of planning and building up to the event, of course, throughout, you know, the whole season. But, I mean, for me, it's a five all around. He just kills it on this one. On top of that, we get mentions of the Republic down in Texas and people trying to get the grid back up in Baltimore, followed by a post-credit sequence. And if you missed that post-credit sequence until now, would you let us know? That'd be super interesting to, to hear that you got to hear a little bit more new We Are Alive for yourself. <laughs> Love to hear that. But yeah, definitely a five. I mean... So do you think up there in Baltimore they're using biodiesel? Delivered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, biodiesel is hard to get and stuff. And No, I'm just trolling. Yeah. Probably yeah. using a little bit of biodiesel. <laughs> <laughs> all good fun <laughs> <laughs> it was a good ride i enjoyed it i did it was it was very good it paid off hardcore there at the end definitely definitely so in the news we already mentioned this about gold rush but i liked uh casey's tweet just said that the WA Gold Rush outline is getting close to complete, and he's really excited to be writing lines for some old friends again. Yes, we're excited to hear those lines from the old friends. Yes, I I feel like there's going to be laughing hard, your tears water up because of it <laughs> moments. Oh, I know I'm going to. <laughs> so I need to go back and re-listen to season three. I bet I'd laugh really hard now that I know the guys and not just filling them out like I was that season. Uh, I think I think for that one, if we podcast, uh, I think we almost just need to listen to it live and record our laughing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. And that's the podcast. Yes, the laughing. <laughs> <laughs> the laugh mystery, science, this is mystery Science Theater 3000. No extra jokes, just us laughing. <laughs> I mean, you won't need it at that point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a special treat for everybody. And it's, you haven't seen this yet, so it's going to be a special treat for you too. Woo! But uh, we reached out to Adam, who if uh, you're listening and you don't already know who Adam is, he's a super fan of We're Alive. He's a teenager from Canada, and he's been a great friend to this show as well as We're Alive. <laughs> He's my favorite Canadian. Definitely. He's up there. He's one of my top two favorite Canadians. Well, top three, Michael J. Fox. But uh, <laughs> we really just wanted to hear from him uh, what We're Alive means to him and also about his trip to L.A. to record his part for lockdown. So here it is. Michael, or not Michael, <laughs> Adam says, We're Alive is certainly an important part of my life. I think the show certainly made me a lot more outgoing than I was. Never would I have imagined, never would I ever have imagined even talking to other fans on social media. I didn't get too involved with We Are Alive until the fourth season, sadly. It was a season I had to wait for, which had its own merits. Uh, after about the third episode of the fourth season, I remember Casey had retweeted one of the fan cast's messages about your show, and I just had to listen. Having the main show and then the fan cast to listen to later in the week got me a lot more involved in We Are Alive and heightened the experience. Uh, first off, thank you for saying that. That's really nice. Appreciate it, Adam. He continues, uh, when we went down to California last summer, We're Alive wasn't the main focus, but it certainly was the highlight. 
A few days before we left, my parents showed me an, a few Facebook video messages from Casey explaining that we were going to meet and that a couple of the actors from the original series were going to be there. I hadn't been able to make it down for the finale, mainly because it was hosted on the other side of the continent, so I thought it would be amazing to finally see the people who had made the show work. So we met up with Tony, Tony Ray who plays Robbins, Scott, Marvin who plays Bert, and Casey for brunch in Orange. I remember when we got there, Casey was still working on the finishing touches of the script for Lockdown. Before the food arrived, he even let me take a quick look at what he was working on. After the meal, he mentioned that no one was in the studio and that if I wanted, if I wanted to, we could lay the first vocal track for We're Alive. Lockdown, I assume. Uh, there was no way I was going to refuse that opportunity. I'll admit. Awesome. Yeah. I'll admit I wasn't very great in it, but getting to act with Tony on a stage wasn't anything I'd ever thought I would get to do. Being a part of the production wasn't anything I thought I'd ever be able to do. Uh, California is so far away from where I live, and I didn't know anyone for, uh, who had worked on the show prior to. I was really impressed that my parents reached out to Casey and even more surprised that he agreed. I've been down to see Casey again since then, and he's always as generous, and he was generous as always. I don't think everyone realizes how much of a commitment he's made to the show and to the fans. He's a person who never seems to underdeliver. I'm going to apologize about how lacking in information this is uh, and his complete lack of knowledge of email etiquette, but I'm a little pressed for time at the moment. I hope this is sufficient. I really need to catch up on the fan cast as well, but I'm glad you guys sent me a message. It was a great reminder. I hope you guys will be covering Gold, Wish, Gold Rush whenever that comes out. Best regards, Adam. He apologized Dude. for that amazingly wrote email he wrote in a hurry adam that's why you're my favorite canadian <laughs> you're not Dude, no, awesome. no need to apologize that's a great email great email etiquette you're so much more mature than i was at that age i'm, I'm telling you so uh i was up to no good at that age I can, definitely I'll just tell you that see but you got your good kid got good parents listen to, at about that listen age to good podcasts about that age, I stole a army recruiting banner, and about six months later, I think I signed up for joining the military. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're doing pretty good, Adam. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. I appreciate it. And it was really cool to get a little bit of behind the scenes for what you did and visiting Casey and all that. I hope uh, Casey appreciated that as well as the rest of the We're Live listeners. Yeah. Well, awesome. And I got to say, uh, I can speak for myself. I'll definitely be back for Gold Rush. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm definitely going to be there for it. <laughs> uh, I'll put out some stuff on it. They may not be as in-depth coverage as we've done because it's so taxing, mm -hmm. but we'll definitely put out some stuff on it. On what? Uh, on Gold Rush. We'll probably just pick highlights from each episode and put out something about it. Oh, definitely. If, it, uh, if it's fit, if we're back to 15, 20 minute chunks, it'd be a lot, a lot easier oh, to yeah. weekly for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or an hour every couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got some stuff in for giveaways. Oh. I'm going to make this simple. Whoever calls 747 333 8145. 
it rings for a ridiculous amount of time but leave a voicemail on there uh with your name and email address and i will pick the first however many i've got prizes for and you will be selected as the winner <laughs> and i will go out and mail everything out at one time including your stuff adam so i got i've got a package for you ready to go awesome so again 747-333-8145 that's right uh, be sure to check with us on our twitter at wa fancast and on facebook to search we're alive fancast and we'll, we'll be back with more we're alive coverage and wayland production coverage as well yes as well as we've got a a host of other content on mickred.com. Be sure to check it out. If there's something that you want to see that we don't currently have, let us know and we'll make it up. Mm -hmm. If you're <laughs> looking for us to just talk about things, uh, just send us some topics. We'll <laughs> be glad to. <laughs> well, once again, it's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. It's sad to put lockdown away, but looking forward to some more. We're alive and other yes. things like that. Yes, yes. As well as some more comic cast. Mm -hmm. Got to get on that. All right. Well, I'm Redbeard. All right, listeners. I'm Mick. See you guys later. Later.